Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading today is Psalm 45. You might want to grab a Bible so you can follow along. Before I read, let me pray. Our Father in heaven, please help us now as we come to your word. Grant us by your Spirit to have humble hearts that delight in you and long to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Psalm 45. For the director of music to the tune of Lilies of the Sons of Korah, a masculine, a wedding song. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and alloys and cassia. From palaces adorned with ivory, the music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honored women. At your right hand is the royal bride in gold of Ophir. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. All glorious is the prince within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her, those brought to be with her. Led in with joy and gladness, they enter into the palace of the king. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. This week, I came across 
some research done into the kinds of music people have been downloading to listen to during this lockdown. I wonder if you can guess some of the most popular tracks. Apparently, coming in at number seven, it's I'm Still Standing by Elton John. At number five, we have It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. I guess many of us have felt like that at times recently. And at number two, I think most fittingly of all, Don't Stand So Close to Me by the police. Well, look, often we listen to music that fits our mood, that fits the occasion. And if we were to choose a playlist that that captures our mood over these last five months, I wonder what we would pick. Today, we continue our summer series in the Psalms. If you've been with us over these last few weeks, you'll know the sons of Korah have been leading the music through Psalms 42 to 44, and the playlist they have chosen has been a somber one, distressed, a a minor key, and for good reason. God has felt absent. The people are in deep distress, struggling under the pressure of living in a broken world and oppressed by enemies. And the God in whom they have trusted and followed and built their lives upon, well, he he just seems to have vanished. In many ways, I, I wonder if we have felt that way during this pandemic. These are distressing times. And whether through bereavement or lack of employment or a sense of isolation from friends and family and church family, cancelled holidays, the ongoing uncertainty about when this will all end, these are hard times. And like the people in Psalms 42 to 44, it would be easy to wonder, where is God in all of this? And that is why our psalm today, Psalm 45, is such good news. After three psalms of lament, the sons of Korah are back on again, but this time they've gone for something different. The track today is more, Here Comes the Bride. It's clear from the heading that this is a wedding song. It is a song that joyfully celebrates the coming together of of a bride and a groom and a glorious marriage. And it's a royal wedding. So think Westminster Abbey in all its dazzling splendor. But as we watch on, how can this one wedding lift the gloom of a nation? And how can it bring joy to us today, many centuries later? Well, let me give the game away straight away. In its original context, Psalm 45 was almost certainly about a specific wedding. Uh, The groom is a king, perhaps Solomon, but as we read through the psalm, it becomes increasingly clear that, that no king in Israel's history could possibly live up to the excellency of this groom king in Psalm 45. For the people back then, this psalm probably left them longing for when God would send this groom king to be with them. And for us today, we know God has. Psalm 45 is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. He is the true groom king that Psalm 45 anticipates. 
which means for us here today, this ancient wedding video is actually a video of our wedding. If we are believers trusting in Jesus, Jesus is the groom and we are the bride. And the joy and wonder and confidence that oozes through this psalm is ours. God's answer to a people in deep distress is to tell them about a wedding, a match made in heaven that will undo the tears and will restore our confidence that God is for us. That's where we're going today. So let's dive into the details of this psalm to see how it works. In verse one, the psalmist can hardly um, wait to tell us about this royal wedding, and it's not hard to see why. From verses two to nine, he tells us about a glorious groom. So verse two, you are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace. The focus here isn't on the physical appearance of the groom's lips, but rather on the words that come from them. We all know how powerful words can be. Words can wound deeply. Just a few words can end a friendship and destroy trust that can take years to rebuild. Words can escalate trouble and sow seeds of division. But words can also heal and bless and encourage to be around a person who speaks well with gentleness and steadiness and love. It is a wonderful thing. The groom's lips, they are beautiful. Next, the groom's cause. In verses three to five, we see this groom doesn't just talk a good game, he's also a man of action. So verse four, In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Political leaders love to have slogans that sum up their cause. Back in June, I think Boris Johnson announced his plan was to build, build, build. Many years ago for Tony Blair, it was education, education, education. But for this groom king, it's truth, humility, and justice. And what a cause this is. How often do we wonder if our politicians are telling us the truth, or are we just hearing more spin and deception? But this groom king rides for truth. So often our leaders are marked out by arrogance or self-service, grasping at power to make a name for themselves. But this groom king rides for humility. He also rides for justice. In this messy world, when things go wrong, we often don't know how to put things right or or who to blame. And that's just with the kids over the cornflakes in the morning. What about the thousands of school pupils in Scotland who found out this week that their exam results have been lowered without warning, but then some have had their grades bumped back up again, but not everyone. What does justice look like there? Or think of Lebanon, a country on its knees following the terrible explosion in Beirut last week. But that's only part of the whole story of corruption lies and deceit. How can justice be done for that country? We long for 
justice. But so often justice feels beyond us. But this groom king rides for justice and we know he will bring it. Look at verse six. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Here is a king who will put this world to rights, who will undo all wrongs. Because verse seven, he is a king who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. Here is a glorious groom. But of course, no king is this glorious. Not even the great kings of Israel, like King David or or King Solomon. But when Jesus came into the world, John, in his gospel, tells us that people were amazed at his words. No one ever spoke like Jesus. When Jesus entered into battle, he came riding on a donkey in great humility. And the war zone where he fought was the cross. The victory he won was a victory over sin, bringing justice and righteousness for his people. And in case we are in any doubts about the identity of this groom, verses six and seven of Psalm 45 are quoted directly by Hebrews one, as the writer to the Hebrews describes the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is the glorious groom. Perhaps that helps to explain how it is in verse six that it is God who sits on the throne, that's Jesus, but God also stands behind the throne, verse seven, that's God the Father. And because Jesus is the glorious groom, when the soundtrack to our lives is lament, when when God feels distant and uncaring, when we wonder if he is for us and cares about us, we need to hear the melody of Psalm 45, a wedding song. Jesus is unashamedly God's answer to our sense of pain and abandonment. In Jesus, God has taken on human flesh and has come near. And when Jesus returns, there will be a wedding banquet. This broken world will be put to rights, all sorrow banished and joy secured forever. A glorious groom. But this wedding video isn't finished yet. There's the other key character, an eager bride. Look at verse 10. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. The picture is of a bride in her hotel room getting ready for the wedding ceremony, and she's just having a wobble. Can I really go through with it? Can I really face leaving my my family for this groom? Or or maybe I'm, I'm better off staying as I am. And the psalmist says, no, go for it. Go and meet your glorious groom. And she does. Verses 13 to 15 describe her journey from the bridal chamber down and along to the wedding venue, where at last, verse 15, she enters into the palace and the presence of her groom. It's one of the great joys of my job, being able to take weddings. And from where I get to stand at the front, as the bride walks in, I get to see the groom's face as he waits at the front, often looking forward, 
and they get to also see the bride's face further back as she walks in. And on both faces, a moment of supreme joy and gladness. That's verse 15, as the bride enters in. And so here is an eager bride, ready and willing to fully commit to her groom, leaving all else behind. And for us today, verse 10 may be helpful advice for how to handle the in-laws, but more importantly, it definitely is great advice for how we should feel about this glorious groom. A wedding day is coming very soon when he returns. But in the meantime, we need to choose him. We need to leave and cleave. And there are reasons why we might have cold feet about fully committing to Jesus. There are other offers of help and support in this life that can seem very tempting indeed. Maybe it is a certain human relationship that we know will take us away from loving Jesus. Or a job that offers the kind of salary that gives us financial security. Very easy to put our trust in the bank account instead of Jesus. Or the next holiday, whenever that will be, it's very easy to rely on escapism to get through life rather than committing to Jesus. And so what Psalm 45 does is so very helpful. Verse 10 does not deny the reality of other options, but this psalm reminds us of the glory of the groom. And it gives us a sneak preview of what will happen when he comes back for us. Verse 15, that wedding day will be a day of great joy and gladness. There is no better option. The Lord Jesus is the most excellent of men, a glorious groom. I do wonder though if for some men, perhaps we feel a bit uncomfortable about the thought of being an eager bride. And yet isn't this groom, king, just who we need? It can be very easy for men to try to be the captain of our own ships, sailing a valiant course through the storms of life. And yet the reality is at some point we all get overwhelmed because we live in a broken world that we simply cannot control or fix. The offer of King Jesus is to be our leader, our comfort, our security, our protection, and oh, how we all need it. Here then, for all of us, is a song to lift the gloom. Yes, at times we will feel like God is, has abandoned us, but when we press the play button on Psalm 45 and we hear this wedding song, we know God loves us and he will come back for us. If we wouldn't call ourselves a Christian, perhaps we're just watching online, just dipping in to see what Christians believe, then let me put it this way. Here is a marriage proposal. The God of the universe is offering you a perfect relationship with the groom, the Lord Jesus. Will you consider the offer? Well, as I finish, I, I wonder if some of us are looking at this bride and feeling a little intimidated. In verse 11, the king is enthralled by her beauty. In verse 13, she is all glorious in her chamber. The sight of her processing out to meet her groom is clearly stunning. And as we read these words, certainly in my mind, this thought comes rushing in. 
Does Jesus really feel this way about me? Many of us spend lots of time uh, on our appearance, carefully picking clothes that flatter our our shape or rushing out to the barber as soon as the lockdown eases. Uh, We long to be cherished and valued and thought much of. But when it comes to the groom, the Lord Jesus, who knows everything about us, who sees our hearts, our our motives, our actions, our our sinful self-centeredness, does Jesus really find us enthralling and glorious? The gospel answer is yes. Because our beauty is given to us, not earned by us. In Ephesians 5, Paul explains that Jesus gave himself up for us, his bride, by dying on the cross in order to wash us clean from every stain of sin. And because of the washing that comes through his death, we will be presented as radiant, as a radiant church without stain or or wrinkle or any other blemish. This means no matter how many mistakes we've made or will make in the future, We have been made beautiful. The groom is enthralled and he is coming back for us. Our wedding day will come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the love of Jesus that he would die for us to wash us clean. And we thank you that in him our future is secure forever. In Jesus' name, amen.